0: So I'm gonna continue our series in the, called Bless or Stress. It's the last part of this series. And uh, I, I called the message today, why does God bless you? Why does God bless us? So the word blessed, uh, there's a little definition it, and I have it right here, it's gonna pop up. Blessed means enjoying and experiencing the goodness of God in your life. Enjoying and experiencing the goodness of God in your life. Well, <laughs> I wanna be blessed. If that means I get to enjoy and experience the goodness of God in my life, I wanna be blessed. That's what we want. We want God's favor and goodness in our life. And everyone wants to be blessed. We say, I want my blessing. Sometimes you come to church and like, I just, I came to get blessed. Pastor, bless me, bless me, bless me. I want my financial blessing. I want a career blessing. I want a blessing of a new house, a car, or a wardrobe. And again, there's nothing wrong with those things. The Bible talks about the blessing that God enjoys giving to his followers. He, God actually enjoys blessing us. We've, of course, gotta be blessable. We've gotta walk with him. And last week we talked about the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who realize their need for God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed, we mourn over what? The fact that we're poor in spirit and we need God. and. Blessed are those who are peacemakers and blessed are those who are persecuted. Man, walking with God, we get blessed. God blesses us as we walk with him. But I wanna talk about why God would wanna bless you today. And so we're gonna turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five, come on, if you have your Bibles, turn there. If you have your phones, open it up. There's a big Bible gonna be behind me. And so here we go, Luke chapter five. Jesus is teaching and there's a great crowd of witnesses and the scene takes place at the Sea of Galilee and it's sunny and 72 degrees on this particular morning and Jesus is teaching near the water's edge and there's so many people, imagine this, there are so many people now at this point that he's being backed up against the line, and his feet are getting wet. The Bible says he's on the shore's edge where the water's coming up. Shh covering his ankles. And it's just amazing. The longer he preaches, the bigger the crowd grows. That never happens to me. But it happens to him because he's the greatest teacher to ever live. And so here we are, Luke chapter five, verses two and three. Here it is. Let's read it together. He says, he saw, Jesus saw at the, at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets because they had just finished fishing. He got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon, who is also Peter, so Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down in the boat and taught the people from the boat. That's pretty cool. So he turns to Simon, he sees boat, he's like, hey, Simon, can I borrow your boat, push it out a little bit, I'm gonna preach from here today. That's pretty, pretty awesome the crowd was so large that he had to push back so people could hear him. And it was so wide and long down the the stretch of the beach that he was trying to get his voice to amplify so that everybody could hear what was going on. And then verse four, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Notice Jesus starts with a generic message to the multitudes and now he's turning to just an individual. So we've gone from a sermon to everybody to an instruction to somebody, just an individual. From a message to the masses, now to a message to just one man. A revelation that only one person hears and that is Simon Peter. So he, Jesus turns his attention from hundreds and hundreds to just one man and how many of you would listen up if that was you you're the one guy you're the one girl jesus turns his attention to and requests something and gives instruction to it's one thing for you to come to church and hear a generic message for a, a crowd everybody's hearing the same sermon today but it's a different ball game for you to get a message with your name on it it takes me about 15 hours a week to prepare a sermon and it's very humbling for me to know that after preparing 15 hours for this sermon that I'm delivering, preaching about 30 to 35 minutes, that 95% of my sermon will be forgotten by Monday morning. What a humbling experience. I'm making a difference for 5%. I can think think about that only for too long because it makes me depressed. But that's what happens after a week. 95% of it will be forgotten on Monday morning. But let me tell you the sermon that you'll never forget It's the one that has your name on it. The one where God spoke to you directly. And on occasion, someone will come to me after service and say, good sermon pastor, which is always nice to hear, even if I'm not looking for it. But then there's a person that will say, it's like you were talking directly to me. Did you read my mail? Did you go through my emails? Were you on my my phone? No, that's the Holy Spirit, not me. But it's the same message, one heard their name while the other just heard the message. So when you come to church, I wanna encourage you, don't just come for the word of God, come for a word from God for you, and it'll change everything. If you just change your position right even now and say, God, I'm not just gonna, I wanna, I wanna hear a word from you today. That God always speaks through his word. He says it doesn't return void. And so Jesus says to Simon Peter, I just gave a message to the masses, Simon, but I have a specific word for you. Push your boat out to deep water and let your nets down for a great catch. Notice how specific Jesus' word is for Simon Peter. He tells him where to go into the deep water. He tells him what to do, let down your nets, and what to expect, expect a great catch. He gives a very specific message with Simon Peter's name on it, and he was called by name, Simon. And here's Simon's response in verse five. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. How many of you know this story? Go ahead and raise your hand if you know this story. Okay, I, I, I'm gonna come at it with, from a fresh angle. So just, you don't, you don't know this story, okay? You think you know this story. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I, didn't know, I don't know the tone of... Simon's voice. But I know the tone if that was me, master. (laughs) We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Uh, But because you say so, I will let down the nets. You know, Simon's part of a, a business, it's called Zebedee Fishing Corp. It's a professional fishing business with his friends who are brothers, James and John, and their dad is Zebedee. And it's his fishing boat and his nets and they are professionals. And they're in this thing for a living. That's what they do every single day, all night. They fish all night. Wow, Jesus is a carpenter. He grew up making furniture with his father, Joseph. He makes tables and chairs. Jesus builds houses. Uh, by the way, just a side note, Jesus is still building houses right now. He's building, a, he said, in my father's house there are many rooms. If that were not true, I would not have told you. And right now, he's, Jesus said, I must ascend to the Father. He, so Jesus is in heaven, and he's building a home for Christians, a mansion with your name on it. Pretty cool. That's just a side note, just a, the blessed hope <laughs> that we have as Christians. So here we have a carpenter trying to tell a professional fisherman who owned a successful business how to fish. It's like if you were to go as a professional uh, graphic designer onto a car, into a, a metal welding shop, and we all know you're artsy-fartsy, and this is a real man and woman's job, and uh, tell them how to weld, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Get out of my welding shop. You're a, you're, you're a creative graphic designer. You don't know how to do this. Well, that's what is probably going through Simon's head. Peter's gonna set Jesus straight. Jesus, I don't go into your wood shop and tell you how to do carpentry, brother. So let me explain to you how we pros fish on the Sea of Galilee. On the Sea of Galilee, you fish at night, not during the day. And furthermore, if you wanna catch a lot of fish, you don't go out into the deep water. You stay in the shallows because that's where the schools of fish gather together and they come closer to the shore. So Jesus, you've got it almost exactly... Backwards and opposite, bless your heart. Master, (laughs) we fished all night and caught nothing. It's a bust. And you know, there are two ways you can tell a blessing from God is on the horizon. When God allows all of your efforts to be unsuccessful, let me tell you, you're in a good spot for God to begin to bless your life. Verse five, Simon Peter responds, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. You've worked where you're supposed to work when you're supposed to work, and how you're supposed to work, and all you have to show for your hard work is empty nets. You go job hunting and everybody has turned you down. You've poured your life into something for years and nothing is happening. It may feel awful, but I'd like to suggest that it's not a bad spot to be in. The second way you can tell if a blessing, a big blessing is on the horizon is when God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense in the natural. Jesus said in Luke chapter five, verse four, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And what Jesus asked Simon Peter to do contradicted his knowledge, his expertise, and his instincts. So Peter decides that he needs to instruct Jesus about why his word won't work. Master, they're not biting. Here's a question for you and a question for me. Have you ever done that? I have. God. You know, <laughs> uh, if, if you haven't noticed already, I've been working my tail off, and uh, you know, I don't know if you really know the details of what's going on in my life right now, and we do it real spiritual like Peter, Jesus, Master. I'm gonna respect you because clearly you are master of many things, but you don't know this area of my life, and it happens all the time. God says something to us through his word, and we say, but uh, my reality, my experience, the world is saying, but Lord, my truth, ugh, my instincts are telling me something different. The problem is our instincts aren't always right, are they? Our instincts are distorted. All of us have developed instincts based on our background, our upbringing, life experiences, and sin has distorted our instincts. Maybe our own sin or the sin of others, Lack of information has distorted our instincts. How many of you have, have like thought you knew it all and then you got a little more information and you're like, oh, oh. And then you realize, I really don't know anything at all. Don't ignore your instincts, but we can never fully trust our instincts. And this is Simon Peter's story. Because of his instincts, his experience, and his expertise, he tells the son of the living God that he's wrong. Jesus, you don't know this field like I know this field. You ought to stick to preaching, brother, and let me take care of the fishing business. But then, Luke chapter five, verse five. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I'm gonna do it to show you some respect, Master, just to prove you wrong. Watch this. Let me tell you how much you don't know about fishing, Jesus. Verse six, when they had done so, oh, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Do you know how many fish it takes to break a fisherman's nets? I mean, that's a, that's a big catch that their nets began to break. Verse seven, so they signaled their partners and the other boats. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Simon is blushing at this point. Signaling to the other brothers ah, you know, have you, I, I've been fishing on a boat when we're catching tuna, and they're huge. And there's so, nothing more exhilarating than bringing in a big fish. You know, what I'm talking about yellowtail. Uh, how many of you have caught big fish, like these big fish out in the deep Mexican waters? And the moment you hook on, it doesn't matter who's, if you, even if you don't have one, if someone has one, you're like, yeah, ah! And you bring one in, blood and guts everywhere. I've never been so happy with blood on my face and fish guts everywhere and scales all over my body. And you know, high-fiving and other boats are seeing you and they're going, yeah, and they're coming closer. This is what's happening right now. Excitement is in the air during the day when you're not supposed to catch fish. It's an oxymoron, it doesn't make sense. It goes against everything, all right. Verse seven, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Oh my gosh, we're sinking, and they're laughing about it. We're sinking. They love it. We've got nets breaking and boat sinking. That's what I call a blessing of God. You know, the apostle Paul talked about this. He said, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, Ephesians 3.20. Jesus blew their mind. But they only got to see God blow their minds when they did something contrary to their past experience and instincts that seemed absolutely ridiculous. And so here's my main points today. I have three quick ones. Here's why God wants to bless you. Here's the first reason why God wants to bless you. It's to let you know that he knows more than you. That's why he wants to bless you, to put you and I in our place. He is God and we are not. How many of you can get humbled right now? Let's just humble ourselves right now. Low is me, low is me, oh God. Here's what we think. Either God doesn't know, sometimes we think this, either God doesn't know or that he only knows a little bit more than we know. And the way that I know that we think this is because we will always try to counteract what God says in his word with what we think. Well, God, here's what your word says, but I don't know about that one. Jesus asked Simon Peter to do something contrary to his instincts to prove to him, until you do what I ask you to do, Simon, Jesus says to him, you will not experience the greater blessings in your life. You can have a meeting about it, but it won't get you the catch. You can pray about it all you want, but it won't give you the blessing. How many have had, you know, God spoke to you and you're like, "Mm, I'm gonna have to pray about that one or you were given great advice by a Christian brother or sister or by a pastor, he said, oh, I don't know, pastor, I'm gonna have to pray about that one. Prayer is important, but it cannot replace obedience to God. Obedience to God is where the blessings come, all right? So if you're praying about something, and really it's, it's not praying, it's stalling. You're stalling because you don't wanna do what God has called you to do, or you know you need to change a habit in your life that doesn't honor Him, and you say, I'm, I'm praying about that one. No, you're not, you're just, you're just trying to be, act like you're spiritual. You're not spiritual, you're just stalling. God wants you to know that he knows. And in order to show you that he knows more than you, he will put you in a situation where your knowledge and your instincts and your experience will not work. And he will ask you to do something that contradicts your natural reasoning so that when you trust him and he comes through for you, he has made himself more trustworthy to you and you can trust him for something else because he's just showed you that he can be trustworthy. So that's why God wants to bless you, to put you in your place, to say, I know more than you. And when you act and you obey, he blesses your life. And all basically what happens is God becomes more trustworthy. And so as you grow and mature and you're Christian walking, you say, man, well, God was right then, he was right then. God, you're right, you must be right. And so it makes it easier to respond. Here's the second reason why God wants to bless you, to let you know how different he is than you. There's this saying going around, I don't know who came up with it, it's, it's like a slang thing. You can only say it if you're cool, which is why I don't say it. But people are like, oh, he different, he different. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay like in sports and stuff like that, like when someone's just a freak of nature or she's a freak of nature, is like, oh, she's different. <laughs> I can't do it because you're laughing at me, I know. But when I hear people say that, I'm like, oh, like there's something different about them, like they're above the rest. There's, okay, I know I'm being silly. But the second reason why God wants to bless you is to let you know how different he is than you. Luke 5, verse eight, let's go back to the story. When Simon Peter saw this, the nets being filled in broad daylight, the boat sinking, everyone's freaking out with joy, blood and guts everywhere. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. The revelation on his face, awe and wonder, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. What made Simon Peter say, go away from me, for I am a sinful man? The size of the catch so blew his mind that he was overwhelmed with amazement, realizing whose presence he was in. Has God ever blown you away to the point where you're like, woe is me. Go away from me, God. Oh, what a wretched, sinful man. Oh my, I can't believe I didn't trust you. God wants you to understand how righteous, how holy and pure he is. And when he blesses you, you fall to your knees and you realize, wow, God, you are so much different than me. Your ways are higher. Your thoughts are higher. You know, most people look at their blessing when God blesses you and you kind of look at it immaturely, like as confirmation of how good you are. You experience the blessings of God, the goodness and faithfulness of God, and you're like, man, I must be good. That God would bless me, I must be good. Woo, I'm so righteous, I'm living on for him. Oh, I must be good. But that's not why God wants to, he wants to bless you so you realize how righteous you are not. You're filthy rags. Doesn't even compare to his holiness. And that's what Simon Peter said. He said, God must be really good. I'm not good, God, you must be really good to bless a mess like me. And that's why God wants to bless you, so that when you get blessed by him, you go, oh God, I'm not good, you're good. So you walk around not with arrogance, saying, I'm so good that God would bless me. God, you're so good, how would you bless me? Oh my goodness, I don't deserve it. You are so different. Isaiah said, woe is me, for I am undone, woe is me. So Simon Peter was so amazed by the blessing that he said, depart from me, oh God. I'm not worthy to be in the same vicinity as you because now I know who I'm dealing with. I'm not dealing with a a polite, nice little God. Some people come to church today and you wanna meet polite, little God, nice little Jesus, dainty little deity that fits into your mold and your box and God wants to blow out of that box and let you know that he's not in the same ballpark as me and you. He is God and we are not. He says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how different I am than you. And I will even show that to you by blessing you. And now we finish the story in Luke chapter five, verses nine through 11. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come as we get ready to close this morning. Are y'all still awake out there? Let me just know if you're still good. All right, amen. Amen. Now we're gonna get to the part where this is fresh to me. I thought I knew this story. Oh, I've heard this story before. I grew up in church my whole life. Don't tell me this story, Pastor. I already know the story. And then God showed me something new this week. Luke chapter five, verses nine through 11. For he, Simon, and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Oh, by the way, how would you like this for a nickname, the sons of thunder? That's cool. Sons of Thunder, Sons of Thunder fishing business. Simon, Simon's partners, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Okay, let me read that again, because you didn't quite, you, I know you fell asleep on me, I could tell your eyes were glazing over as I was reading the Bible, you're like just, I can't wait, what's for lunch, okay? But let me, let's read it one more time. Wake up, wakey, wakey, put the toothpicks back in your eyes. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Number one, God blesses you to let you know that he knows more than you. Number two, God blesses you so that you can see that he and you are different. And number three, God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. They left everything, and follow Jesus, and now they're gonna fish for people. Jesus says to Simon Peter and the Zebedee Fishing Corporation, Andrew, James, and John, the sons of thunder, I'm gonna make you a spiritual blessing to others, fishers of men. I know you know fishing, you know how to fish. You do this for a living. Now I'm gonna take your talent and you're gonna fish for people. And they were, there was a, 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 a transfer of blessing where God had blessed them and now they're gonna transfer the blessing to other people. If there is no transfer of the blessing, then you've just become a reservoir instead of a funnel. And we are to be, God blesses us to be a blessing. You know, God told Abraham back in the Old Testament, I'm gonna bless you so that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Abraham, Abraham, here's why I'm blessing you. So that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed and the same thing is true for you and I. Matt, I'm gonna bless your life. Why, God? Because I'm so good? No, you're awful, but I love you. And I'm gonna bless your life as you walk with me so that you will know that I am God and you are not, and you give me all the honor and glory, and so that you don't become a reservoir but a funnel. I'm gonna bless you to be a blessing. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, from now on you'll be catching men, fishers of men, and this is cool. Jesus says, Peter, I'm gonna use your occupation because you know how to catch stuff, that is true, and I'm gonna use what you did with fish to catch people. And now Luke chapter five, verse 11 is amazing. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Okay, now this is the part that gets me stumped. I'm thinking to myself, because I have fleshly desires, I'm a carnal man. I have the Holy Spirit living in me, I'm a Christian, I love God, but there's still some carnality in me and it's in you. And I'm thinking, all those fish in the nets, what did they do with all the fish? If I'm Simon, I'm cashing in first and then I'll follow you, Lord. Well, hold on, this is a huge, their nets were breaking. I'd go to the fish market, I would cash in, get my, pad my wallets, get my bundle good so I'm secure and then I'm gonna follow Jesus, that's what I would do. And I bet you would too. I'm gonna cash in first and be like, Jesus, hold on one sec, I'll be right back. Let me just take this blessing that you just gave me. Uh, uh, or 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 I'd be like, oh my goodness, Jesus. Oh Jesus, it'd be like the first time someone said, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. We could do some great things together. If you would just come on board, I'll, I'll make you a part of the team. You won't have to do anything, God. Just tell us where the fish are. Don't even lift a finger. Just. Just tell us where the fish are and we'll give you 50% of the proceeds. You'll be a partner in this great business venture and we will make the dough, Lord. We will bring it in, we'll be successful. Come on now, come on now. Okay, but something different took place. The Bible tells us that they brought the boats ashore and I guess they just let the fish go. And I guess they just walked away from it all they didn't even park the boat. They didn't bring it in and spray it down from all the salt water, you know, and like, they, they left it. And their father, Zebedee, was cool with it. Yeah, boys, go ahead. Follow Jesus. Don't worry about the fishing business. Okay, and so the only conclusion I can come to is the fact that they realized that they were in the presence of Almighty God. And he called them by name and said, come and follow me. And they took it as the greatest honor that they would leave everything to follow this rabbi, to be covered in his dust, to become like him, to serve him, to spend time with him. And their father Zebedee is like, it's fine. This is the greatest honor that a rabbi would come into town, and not just any rabbi, But the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, the Lamb of God would call you. Sons, I know you, you're not that smart. You're just average and ordinary. That's why you're in the fishing business. But that God would call you by name and say, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And you know, he's still doing the same thing to you and I. I'm not saying go leave your job or your workplace and just be like, all right, honey, I'm done, I'm not going to work tomorrow, I'm gonna follow Jesus. (laughs) Maybe he's calling you to stay right where you are and to follow him in your workplace and to be a fisher of men. When you become a Christian, you become a fisher of men. So you can't stay quiet. There's There's this old saying, it's like, preach Jesus and sometimes use words. It's like a cute little saying, which it's totally false. No, it's preach Jesus and use words and let your light shine before men and talk about the goodness of God and be clear. The Bible says always be ready to give an answer. If you're a Christian, always be ready to give an answer. That means you need to become a Christian apologist. You need to know what it is what that you say you profess and believe. If you're the real deal, why do you follow Jesus? And so My call to action today, here's the call to action as we leave this place. You're like, oh, great story, Pastor, really impactful. Well, here's the word for you. Go and change your world starting tomorrow. Be a fisher of men and watch God use you and bless your life in amazing, amazing ways. That's why God wants to bless you, to let you know that He knows more than you do and He can be trusted, to show you how different He is than you, and to make you a blessing to other people. And as we close in prayer today, there's one more call to action. If if you're kinda on the fringe today, you're on the outskirts, maybe you come to church and you like this church and you enjoy this church, but you're not really involved, I would encourage you today to get involved and sign up to be in a group. Please, I'm begging you, it'll change your life. The moment you get into a group, You'll go from isolation into community and you'll build relationships and people will know your name and something will change in you. Something's gonna click and you're gonna, there's gonna be a fulfillment that comes and being in relationship with God's people. We were made for this. And so I would encourage you, I don't care how cool you think you are, sign up for a group and get involved. in. A, if you're a man in this place, get in the men's group. Change your Tuesday night plans to be here. It's gonna be, we're starting a new curriculum and it's gonna be, it's only six to eight weeks long. You can do that, six to eight weeks long. Women, we have a women's group Tuesday nights, six to eight, I don't know, it's either six or eight, okay? But you can commit to that. There's a start and an end date. So you can have an exit strategy if you don't like people, okay, you can, after eight weeks, you don't have to do it anymore. How many of you are are good with me, challenging you like that? I don't care, don't even raise your hand. Stand for closing prayer, okay. Stand for closing prayer. I love you guys so much, and sometimes I stand up here, I'm like, man, are people getting this? Is this too hard? Am I being too rough? And some people are like, no, give it to them. Tell them, Pastor. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. So here's the action steps this week. Get into a group at the end of the service. Don't leave too fast. Grab another coffee if you need one. Sign up for a group and attend it. Someone's gonna be in contact with you to give you all the details. If you have gifts and talents, we sure could use them here at the church because we need to start a third service. Um, this service is pretty full and then the second service is full at 11 a.m. too. And if you're here and you're able and willing, we could really use your help to launch a third service at Easter time, probably around the 1230th hour. And we're believing God that, he's, that more people are gonna fill this place too, so it's amazing. I love you guys, thank you so much, let's pray this morning. Thank you Heavenly Father for this beautiful day in your house. Thank you for people who are obedient to you that really wanna grow and that really wanna follow and trust you with all their heart. I wanna pray a prayer for those that are here today that don't yet know you Jesus and would like to start a relationship with you. And it's not a cute little prayer, it's a prayer of repentance that says, I'm a sinner and I realize that I am far from God unless I repent and receive the forgiveness that can only come from Jesus. And if you're here today and you like the hope of heaven and you realize that you are lost without God and you don't know where you stand with Him, today's the day to be reconciled with Him. And here's how the prayer goes. If you're here today, I wanna pray with you. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. You died on the cross for me. That's why you died, for my sin and I repent right now, and ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. And so right now, we're being saved. And now we're gonna be sanctified through the power of your Holy Spirit. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into our lives and to have your way completely. That means that regardless of what we think, It doesn't matter what we think anymore. God, what do you wanna do in my life? Change me from the inside out. I give you full permission and full access. That's what it means to make you Lord. So from this moment forward, Jesus, I pray that you would be my savior, but also that you would be my Lord right now. And I wanna follow you and walk with you all the days of my life. I wanna be a fisher of men now. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say a good amen. Amen, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great rest of your day. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.